This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Slayton, and I'm so glad you're here. I empower leaders to turn indifferent customers into loyal fans. I talk to guests with a wide range of expertise who share meaningful insights and wisdom. We give you practical tips and proven frameworks and share ways to help you delight your customers. I've been doing some research on what's most important to business leaders and I've heard three major themes. Number one, their employees are burned out and feel overwhelmed. Number two, they're concerned about customer retention. And number three, they want to address customer friction, whether it's controllable or not, but they need actionable results. As a result, I've created the 120-day Quick Start, a four-step program designed to go from current state assessment to specific strategies to get you actionable results in 120 days. If you want to make a quick impact, check out empoweredcx.com for more information. I'd love to talk to you. What you're talking about, I think, is really important in that customer experience, yes, it's about empathy, but it's I, I often find the need to spend a lot more time on systems because I think the vast majority of people, especially people in customer facing companies like Walgreens, um, do care about customers and do on some level understand our customer base. And so our job is a lot less about, oh, look how, you know, this is our customer, you should care about them. It's a lot more about, yes, this is our customer, we know you care about them. You may even know that these are their issues, but did you know that the reason this issue is happening is because this team made this well-intentioned decision over here and this team made this well-intentioned decision over here and the way that those decisions come together for the customer is causing this problem. On my show, my guest today, Danielle Whipperfirth from Walgreens. So excited to have uh, someone from a well-known retail brand that all of us have probably been in. Um, and now we get to hear what it's like from the inside out from a customer experience point of view with Danielle. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. And I um, would, there's so much we I want to talk about with you. There's so much I am curious about. I'm sure our listeners will be as well. But before we get started, um, ha- can you share with our listeners how you got into the world of customer experience? Sure. Well, like many of us, it's a unique and winding path. I studied English in college, so I was very passionate about language, and I also cared a lot about social impact. So coming out of college, I pursued marketing and communications for nonprofits and federal agencies around programs that were trying to make a difference in people's lives. And um, really enjoyed that opportunity to learn a lot about digital technology. It was around the time that the federal government was really embracing that to improve their customer experience. And um, it was a great foundation 
From there, I moved to India, like most of us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I actually had studied in India in college and really just uh, loved and enjoyed spending time in the country, wanted to go back and learn more. So I went and I led marketing and then took on also some sales and business development roles for a incubator for startups that had a social purpose, and then also for a leadership development company. And the leadership development company is where I had my customer experience spark. Mm. Um, our CEO really took a CX perspective when crafting these leadership development experiences. So we bring leaders from all around the world to India to learn from Indian leaders who were marrying their passions with their community needs and had been very successful. And so watching the way that he would think about every sensory element, every environment for reflection mm. discussions, how we arranged the chairs for the conversations we would have, just he he was just doing it because it was the way his brain worked. But it it started me thinking about not just how you could shape experiences through words and through framing as in a marketing and communications concept, but how you could play with every element of a business, a service, a product to ultimately deliver something that was really meaningful and magical for the end customers. After that, I went to business school. And so I started, I went into business school with a mission to learn about all the other aspects of an organization so that I could then use those tools to shape experiences. Keeping in mind that I did not know that this was a job. I just knew that I wanted to add to my toolkit. And coming out of business school, I still <laughs> didn't know that this was a job, but I <laughs> was uh, trying to find my way around. I did some independent consulting for, uh, of all things, a luxury grill company, um, an American-made luxury grill company, Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet, based in Chicago. Really <laughs> fabulous experience there. I got to think about a totally different product and, and group of customers, but um, was equally fascinated by what I could glean from those customer insights and, and those experiences that we were crafting around outdoor dining. Hmm. And then I was fortunate to discover that this was a job. I discovered the CXPA through, um, I think it was a just a personal connection. They were sort of adjacent to this world and recommended that I take a look and learn more. And then ultimately um, interviewed for a full-time role at a healthcare company at the intersection of health insurance and prescription medicine. So for those in the know, a pharmacy benefit manager, a PBM called Prime Therapeutics, spent uh, almost four wonderful years there honing my craft. Um, they had a very mature CX organization. And so um, just learned a ton there and then had the opportunity to come over to Walgreens. And Walgreens happens to be at the precipice of evolving into more of a healthcare company itself. Uh, we're seeking to become the most convenient health and wellness destination. And so it was a great opportunity to bring that healthcare customer experience lens while having the opportunity to learn all about consumer retail and that direct relationship with a customer um, and how you develop that as well. So that's been my journey so far. Um, and 
the through line. I always care about uh, making a difference in people's lives and bringing them joy. Um, and so it's it's been great to primarily in the last several years do that in a healthcare setting and then ultimately shaping customer experiences with a particular appreciation for the role of language and communication in setting the right expectations, finding your audience, and ultimately kind of uh, making that a, a magical experience for your customers. Mm. Well, what, what a fascinating background. What a fascinating background and track that you had. <clears throat> no two CX professionals have the same uh, track. We learned that. And that's why it's so interesting to hear, you know, you went f- from America to India, learned about leadership. Um, then you ended up <clears throat> working a- at some point in, in um, it, for this intersection between uh, dispensaries where, you know, drugs are being dispensed. And, it, and, and I guess that's sort of an automated fashion where they're going to people's homes. Yeah. And, and, and then learning about that. Now I, I left that one part that I've, I want to come back to, which is the grill company, yeah. um, <laughs> which is, was it Kalamazoo? Yes. Like Kalamazoo grills. Okay. Outdoor gourmet. Outdoor gourmet. So um, I imagine that's an interesting market segment of customers. And you said you learned a lot there. Um, let me, let me double click on that one. What, what are some things that you know you learned while you were there from a CX standpoint? The most fascinating part to me was what we learned through customer research about why this was such a, an important and meaningful purchase to our customer base. So people were spending tens of thousands of dollars on outdoor cooking equipment. It was grills was the core products, but there was pizza ovens and kind of a whole outdoor kitchen setup. And and so understanding what this did for people and for different segments of customers was really important. And what we learned was that for some people, this was a toy. This was a a shiny um, toy that they could show their friends. Look what I have. Look what it can do. It can use charcoal. It can use wood. Um, So these tended to be people that loved brand name items. They loved kind of the process of finding and collecting those and enjoying those. And then for other people, it was all about the enjoyment of um, quality food, right? Just they they love food. This is the best product, one of the best products in the world to create the best food. And so they... um, for them, it was money well spent for that reason. And then a third demographic that was really fascinating to me uh, tapped into this kind of primal enjoyment. Um, so our customers were generally like white collar executives or celebrities. They were not outdoors people, but what they got out of this grill experience and this outdoor cooking experience was the ability to be outside um, after working inside all day in their offices and they go out there and they light these flames and they take this raw meat or these vegetables and they put them on there and the sensory experience, the kind of being outside, they got to explore a whole different uh, part of their personality and existence through that experience. So um, for me, for me to learn about and then help the company to understand these are who's purchasing from you and then have the opportunity for them to 
um, figure out if they wanted to prioritize one of those audiences and how they wanted to speak to those different audiences and how they could connect their brand values to these different audiences um, was a really neat experience and opportunity. And I was surprised, frankly, as someone who had spent most of my career um, like in the nonprofit or, mm. um, you know, healthcare now fields, um, how much I enjoyed thinking about how all products really can bring joy and, and meaning to people's lives. So that was um, an incredible opportunity, not to mention uh, the free free grill samples in the office. <laughs> as they were often either testing products or shooting uh, demo videos. There was always free food and it was that was a great perk. <laughs> Well, that, that is fascinating. So the segmentation um, that you described and, and learning about the customers, really their personas, right? Mm -hmm. Three, You mentioned three different right there in that example, three different personas. Um, so um, one of the things uh, that I've learned in, in doing these podcasts was I had Dr. Peter Fader from the Wharton School who wrote Customer Centricity. And he, he wrote another book recently called The Customer Base Audit. And it's all about identifying your top or your most valued clients, right? Who are who are who do you consider to be the most valued? Really, the persona of those people, and then how can you deliver you know an exceptional, superior experience to co-create with them, but to to deliver for them um, what they desire, what they really want, and then the other 90% or whatever of your client base will benefit from whatever you design, but you're really focusing on those because of all the you know positive things that happen with referrals and share of wallet and profit and all those other things. So was there any, any in terms of application now? So what I hear is the branding, which is a lot of marketing and pers persona development, but was there anything from an experience standpoint that happened after you did that research that changed the way you delivered the experience without giving away any company secrets. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember because that was because it was a consulting role. I left shortly after delivering those results. So I don't know ultimately how they decided to um, apply them, but I do from an experiential Standpoint, I do remember one of my recommendations, especially for, well, for kind of across all the groups of people, because these these were high net worth individuals, but especially for those that were really used to buying luxury brand items that that had um, a well known name. Um, I had noticed that the customer experience or customer service side of things was not living up to that customer service name. So mm. they had the they had the product and the marketing of you know a luxury brand, but the service side of it, especially when it came to getting replacement parts or whatever, was maybe more of like a kind of a, a standard mass market brand. And so one of my key recommendations for all of these groups, um, but especially for the ones that were really into luxury goods was to elevate the customer service elements and do more to meet the customer's needs, especially when things went wrong. Yeah. And and that is such a common thing, Danielle, is that companies that really um, overall do very well. <clears throat> and we're not talking about 
you know, going from, from bad to good, we're talking really about from going good to great, pardon the pun, because Walgreens is a good to great company from Jim Collins. But we're talking about how do you get that extra, you know, that people say there's not a lot of traffic in the extra mile. You know, how do you get that extra? Because that's when you can get that extra, you mentioned the word magic, magical moments, you know, that's where the loyalty gets driven, the word of mouth, the referrals and all that. So I think that's fascinating. That is without getting into, we didn't talk a lot about data. We didn't talk about analytics. We didn't, but we, you just did a great job of summarizing for people who may not know what customer experience actually is by, by sharing that story of the grill. So, and, um, and as someone who's involved with the, with customer experience professional association, um, I saw the video of you accepting the emerging leader award, uh, a little while back. So, um, tell, tell the audience what, what that award is and, um, what you won it for. Thank you, Mark. Uh, well, I appreciate the opportunity to evangelize a little bit because I'm a big fan of this program. Um, I've stayed involved and, and currently co-lead it with um, staff for this next generation because I believe it's so important. So um, the Emerging Leader Award is the only award of the CXPA and potentially in the industry, although I don't know that latter part for sure, that focuses not on later career professionals um, who have you know had a lot of experience and had great achievements. There's a lot of awards for that, and they're well deserved. This award tries to find emerging leaders, as it's called, in uh, customer mm -hmm. experience that have really showed some initial wins and clear potential to be leaders in the field. And I was honored to be selected as one of the inaugural five winners, <laughs> <laughs> and um, was. And have also really, um, in addition to appreciating the benefits of the award, which include a lot of connections to uh, leaders and mentors throughout the industry, um, along with some tangible benefits like access to resources and things like that, um, I've enjoyed shaping this next year's program. So one of the things that we've sought to do as the entire CXPA has sought to become a much more global organization is we were very committed to having leaders from all over the globe. And so we went from having in my class, all five winners were based in the United States to having um, at least one winner in every region that had nominees where CXPA has um, original presence. And so that was a really um, important achievement and transition as we seek to recognize the global um, leaders that are emerging and to build up the profession as well. So I'm excited to invest. It, it seems like an investment, not just in these individuals, but in these, um, in customer experience in each of these regions, because what happens when you are able to have this honor and this credibility is um, it, it shows, oh, wow, we have this discipline here and it's, um, of a level that's award worthy and we should maybe have this in our company. And this is important to think about as we seek to better serve our customers. Yeah. And, and so what would you say would, would be the, the thing that stood out when you won your award? 
um, about my selection, you mean, or about? Yeah. 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 Um, Well, what was shared with me was that my commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion was an important part. Um, they, they look at a lot of aspects of, of your career and of, of what you've done. Um, I think also the ability to demonstrate results um, and mm. quantify those results. As an English major, I've, I've got to admit, even though I went to business school, my inclination is still much more um, qualitative. And so it's been a learning path for me to understand the value of quantification. But um, being able to do that both for my company um, to recognize the value of CX and then for to be able to share that as a nominee, um, I think was also important to quantify, you know, increases in our net promoter score or the way that I worked in my previous role to help improve the experience around pain management amidst the opioid crisis and a lot of kind of complexity there. Hmm. And that was, that was while you were at prime. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. That is awesome. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. (laughs) All right. So you enter into Walgreens, uh, you, you land at Walgreens and from, from my perception, I, I shared this with you when we were talking prior to today, um, which is I view the retail, uh, pharmacy brand, much like I do the cola uh, branding war, which is there are really two giants, Pepsi and Coke, and then there's kind of everybody else um, in the cola world. I know there's a lot more in terms of beverages nowadays. Uh, boy, that's splintered all over the place. Even you think about the the microbreweries and all the different IPA brands that have emerged. But when it comes to cola, there's really two big players. When it comes to to I don't want to call them drugstores anymore, but pharmacies and brands are you guys in CVS. And, and so for the audience, how, from, from like your perspective as an, as a Walgreens employee, someone who recently joined Walgreens, how do, how do you th- differentiate yourself from CVS? Cause for, for many of us, or, or maybe it's evolving now um, into something different, but how do you, how do you think of yourself as different than CVS? That's a great question, Mark. And being new, I'll admit I'm still fully grasping that brand differentiation. Um, I want to share two things, at least to start out with. Um, One, my focus since joining has really been to start by understanding our customers and their needs and their feedback into, to, and then in concert with our company strategy and to, pull those together into understanding what the experience needs to be. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is interesting, because to be honest with you, I'm like kind of actively pursuing this question with you as we speak. Um, <laughs> one of the stories I love about Coke and Pepsi is um, I can't remember her name, but I was listening to the former insights director from Pepsi who was talking about um, that exact issue. And, and Pepsi honestly was in the shadow of Coke for, for a long time and arguably to this day. Um, and what she, what she did was she used customer insights to 
open up the possibilities from Pepsi from seeing their opportunity as just one, um, their opportunity to win was to, to supersede Coca-Cola, that beverage specifically. And what they learned from customer insights was that customers actually wanted a lot more options in terms of their beverages. And so that's where the company started acquiring brands like Gatorade and I don't want to misspeak in terms of saying all the all of the different uh, yeah brands that I, I can't remember ex- for sure for sure, but everything from juice to tea to um, to yes soda. But ultimately, that company has won by meeting the customer need of a diverse beverage option rather than just assuming the only way they can win is on this one singular dimension. And I see that as a someone who prefers Coke. <laughs> um, I actually really respect the fact that they, they listen and saw that opportunity. So I don't see it as just Walgreens CVS. Um, I actually see our competitive set as mu- much broader as we seek to move in the direction of becoming that most convenient health resource. Um, you know, you're you're kind of looking at all the different ways people are getting their health needs met or not getting their health needs met today. And a, and a big part of our untapped customer populations are people that maybe don't have insurance to go into clinics. Walgreens is now has over 90 percent, I think, of the of the newly started over the counter hearing aid market. So. There was just a just legislation passed to allow over-the-counter hearing aids where you can you no longer have to pay a bunch of money and go to a bunch of specialists to be told that you can't hear. Most people can probably figure that out to some degree on their own. And so you have the option now to go and, and get that at Walgreens, just over the counter. Um, and so it's by understanding where those unmet needs are that we are continually learning how to serve as that local resource. So I know uh, CVS is also moving in a health direction. I don't know the details of their strategy. That's definitely on my homework list. Um, but yeah. I do think um, just in my time in customer experiences, I've seen a lot more innovation and advancement from trying to figure out the unique role that you can play as a company versus always trying to just match your competition, whatever they do, you do. I've been in both kinds of environments and I'm really proud of the way that we're currently not just trying to fight that direct fight, but yeah. rather listening closely to customer needs and in evolving to meet them in creative ways. Yeah that that's that's really interesting and so i'm going to i want to ask you a little bit more about um this idea of more of a full service health health care not full service not like a hospital but more of an extended service um uh, for for people that can go down to their local walgreens and get maybe get more of a variety of services than they used to get um but I, I just want to um, pull that gem out. So, cause I, as a, in my um, podcast episodes, I, I like to pull out what somebody said that I think is really noteworthy that if a listener was just listening, they might not 
have caught it. But one of the things is when you're thinking about how to differentiate your brand, it's probably okay to get some, do some market brand research and find out what, how, how the market views your product and where you're positioned according to the clients. I mean, you, you do want to, or the prospective clients and the existing clients, but really you want to understand your ideal, we mentioned this earlier, your ideal client and or customer and build or patient and build and design um, something that, that it's a problem they're trying to solve that will that will delight them, you know, and that you can do that consistently and, and not so much pay attention to what your competition is doing because they have a whole other set of variables they're dealing with. And they might, they might look similar. And if they're doing something noteworthy, whether, whether it's a competitor in your industry or Amazon, you know, if they're doing something noteworthy, it might be worth paying attention. Hey, there's a potential way to solve a problem. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. But the, the, question, the question really starts with, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Right? So, so say, say more about, um, you know, just philosophically about how Walgreens is thinking about the evolution of where they are now to where they might be going. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I do think it's always an interplay between what do customers need and want, and then what are we best positioned to solve for them? And so mm. from a healthcare perspective, that's coming through in a couple of ways. So um, one, one simple one is uh, Walgreens emerged in the pandemic as a, as a major provider of vaccinations and testing. That was not, mm. um, that was not as nearly as much of a focus for us before, and we've become a very trusted um, and highly utilized provider of those services. And so part of our strategy is expanding that. What else can we offer simple tests and, and treatment for where people may, you know, I probably have, you know, likely have a UTI or whatever, but I technically need a test and a prescription in order to get treatment. Do you have to try to fight to get into a local clinic or could you walk across the street to Walgreens, get a test, get a prescription right there and get your medicine and go be on your way. So that's one, um, one element having kind of proven already in the market, the appetite and the trust that we've been able to build around testing and treatment. And then another that I'll point to is, has to do with our health corners. And so if you think about, um, you mentioned those kind of core customers that are um, that you do can do a great job of serving and also do a lot to contribute to your success as a business. And for us, that's been our relationship with patients who have um, long-term conditions, whether that's you know diabetes or high cholesterol or things that they're going to have their whole lives likely and just need constant monitoring, maintenance but for whom going into a clinic again, every time to just get a simple test or measurement or check-in um, is somewhat inconvenient and, and not necessarily necessary if their doctor can get those results. And so another area that we are looking to expand into and are working to expand into is that um, health corner service, where if you have a condition like that, you can come in, talk to a health professional, get whatever kind of measurement monitoring you need done, 
have that share with your doctor and get any other support you need. And, and then again, move on, move on your way. So it's, it's a lot about, okay, our brand and our, um, the experience we have, which is we have 85% of the U S population within five miles of the Walgreens. We have a large footprint that, that makes it very convenient for people, not to mention expanded digital services that take that convenience in, in new dimensions as well. Um, what does, what does convenient healthcare look like and what is it best positioned to solve? So it's, you know, not necessarily best positioned to solve for a major back surgery. Um, that's more of a, a once in a maybe lifetime thing. You're going to go to a special hospital for that. Um, that's not where we're positioned to win, but are there things that you need to do on a fairly regular basis that aren't extremely complex, but that can provide a lot of value by being easily available um, that's really where we're seeking to play. Yeah. And uh, let, let me back up because I should have probably asked this earlier on, but just in terms of your own job responsibility. So you're director of customer experience. Do you have a particular uh, geographical market or vertical market, or is it pretty much everything? Right. Well, I mentioned um, earlier that my last company had a fairly mature CX practice. Walgreens is a very new very new in terms of having a formal customer experience practice. Uh, I would say it's just a little over a year old. Um, and so far we're a team of two, ultimately reporting up through uh, the chief product officer and the chief experience and president of US retail, chief experience officer and president of US retail. So um, we're, we're a team of two with some really excellent executive support. And so a lot of our focus right now is laying that CX foundation, universal customer journey, core personas, core insights, that kind of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. And so right now we're kind of in an all hands on deck mode with getting that together while also starting to solve for some initial wins. So right now, for me, that looks like uh, working on some opportunities to make our digital platforms easier to access and use. It also looks like um, trying to figure out what to do about the customer experience issues raised when you have labor shortages. So for us, um, like many businesses, we're struggling to attract and retain staff um, just because there's a whole host of economic factors and things like that that are contributing. Um, but but that ultimately can cause reduced hours that were open, less support, less staff support when you're in the store, longer waits for prescriptions, things like that. Um, and this is unfortunately happening across the industry. So it's not unique to us, but from a customer experience standpoint, I'm currently uh, leading a task force cross-functional task force that's looking at the ultimate, the impacts of that, um, seeing what can we do to mitigate those impacts? Can we communicate with our customers better about um, how they can get their medicine and make it more convenient for them? And then also seeing if there's anything we can do about the root challenges as well. So that's a, a big focus for me right now. And it's definitely pulling on that creativity because it's really common for people to want to go to, okay, well, we just need more staff. Like that's ultimately mm. the solution. And on some level, we absolutely do. And I'm challenging us to think about what are there other ways we can creatively 
solve this problem as well? Are there operational efficiencies? Are there ways we can um, group different populations of people that we haven't thought of before? Are there, um, you know, can we, we've traditionally done a lot of our fills on site. And so we're in the process of having like large warehouse facilities where we're getting through that prescription volume and then and then getting them to customers. So I think there's a lot of creative ways that we can address these challenges. And that's one of my primary focuses right now, but it'll evolve as our team evolves and grows. I think there are, you know, larger teams tend to have a little bit more of um, differentiation of roles. Like, okay, you're gonna work on this and I'm gonna work on that. And um, so I think that might come a little bit more with time but right now yeah. we're just kind of mainly a team of two working to get that foundation set and then start to tackle some of the biggest opportunities. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's fascinating that it, it, it is really only been formalized for a year, a year and a half at Walgreens, one of the most well-known brands um, and brand known for good customer service. Um, and it just goes to show um, both that, you know, there's there's a certain there's a certain level that you can get to uh, just by having good good people, making good hires, having good training, having you know a, a good good leadership, um, and then now you know that the, there's a desire to get to the next level, um, and, and now you're going to be you're going to formalize customer experience management with people like you. And what I what I so there's a there's a lesson in there. Uh, about a couple of things is one, and I didn't really say this, but I meant to say it earlier is you could have really well-meaning people who have service minded um, and they're service minded and they have servants hearts who are just, uh, just missing the target for some reason. And that's very, very common. And that's really what CX does is it, it's this orchestration of customer journey, the customer's journey through from an end to end from from their standpoint and and just getting rid of whatever silos exist you know which is one of the biggest problems making it clear what everybody's roles and and guidelines are supposed to be when it comes with to interacting with customers and then like you said designing the product or the service in a way that best meets their needs so I, I want to also pay attention to something that you described, which is really, really important, which companies that don't yet have a formalized experience, uh, customer experience program, a leader or a program or, or, or uh, discipline, that is um, you're the old, this old house, measure twice, cut once. You know, you're spending a lot of time in the research, in the listening uh, before you're going out and changing everything. And I think if you're if you're midstream, if you're an organization, whether you're in financial services or manufacturing or technology or pharmaceuticals or whatever, um, you know that listening piece, that getting an assessment of where you are compared to what not not what your competitors are, but what mature customer experience management companies are. These core companies of CXPA, things like. We call it leadership and accountability, um, um, you know, metrics, measurements, and values, CX strategy, customer insights and understanding. All these these five areas that 
to, in order to get your customer, your CCXP, your customer certified customer experience professionals certification, you need to master. Um, then, you know, you, you, you have to have a framework. And the first part of that really has to do with listening, right? So you've done, you've, you're in the process, but you've done a good job of that. Yeah. Thank you. I, I really appreciated what you said about what I, what, what you're talking about, I think is really important in that customer experience. Yes. It's about empathy, but it's, I, I often find the need to spend a lot more time on systems because hmm. I think the vast majority of people, especially people in customer facing companies like Walgreens, um, do care about customers and do on some level understand our customer base. And so our job is a lot less about, oh, look how, you know, this is our customer, you should care about them. It's a lot more about, yes, this is our customer. We know you care about them. You may even know that these are their issues, but did you know that the reason this issue is happening is because this team made this well-intentioned decision over here and this team made this well-intentioned decision over here and the way that those decisions come together for the customer is causing this problem. And so I really like to assume positive intent. Uh, and I think I'm usually right. Like I think most people want to do great work and do the right thing. Um, and so it's a lot more about let's uncover together like where those opportunities are as opposed to helping people to care about customers, um, especially in a customer focused company like Walgreens. I think that's like you said, how how we got by without a department like this for so long, but especially just about any company of scale, um, you're going to have situations like that where the right hand doesn't always know what the left hand is doing and, and both have great intent, but um, ultimately things come together in kind of a less than ideal way. So I find that's a lot more of my job than it is evangelizing, caring about people. Hmm. Well said. That's a, that's a really good point. People already have some of that in their DNA. Hopefully you've hired for that, right? And, and you're looking for those kind of people who care about their job, care about who they're serving, but they just need, need some help. And, and, and sometimes our customers are, are the best places to find out where the gaps are and also tapping into the employees. They have a good sense of, you know, so the, so what, um, use this term from Gene, Gene Bliss, doing heroics instead of you know, heroes versus heroics. So the idea of is, you know, maybe seamless to the customer, things look great. But meanwhile, the employees are jumping through hoops, cutting through red tape, working extra hours, you know, dealing with anxiety and stress because they're making the magic happen, but at what cost? Um, and that's where you're talking about the systems, you know, what, gee, what, what can I do to help you do your job better to serve the customers, right? Absolutely. Um, I know one thing that you and I have talked about before as well is the value of spending time in field. And a lot of businesses have mm -hmm. a segmented sort of workforce like this. Walgreens has what we call our support office, which is our corporate office. And then we have our um, field employees who are on the front lines in the stores, things like that. And 
one thing that we've been um, in the support office encouraged to do, especially lately, is to spend time volunteering, um, working in our stores. And that's been a great way of seeing what you're talking about, of people kind of needing to do heroics to overcome systems. Um, and sometimes when I hear things like people saying, oh, we just need better training, um, or, you know, and then I see what the training is and it's like, that's basically an impossible ask and a very mm. confusing convoluted process that we're asking our employees to do. Like, no wonder it's not going well a lot of the time. Um, mm. so I, I just, I do want to make that plug for spending time actually in the trenches alongside different employees to understand the limitations that they have on doing their best work. Yeah, that's another great gem, really. I mean, you know, if you're if you're in the customer experience world, you you hear it all the time. But if you're not in that world, you know, it may seem obvious, um, but it may not be that obvious. Just take the time to sit side by side. If you have a contact center, put put a headset on next to someone taking calls and watch the systems they're operating on. You know, if there's seven systems they need to to dig into to answer a single question from a customer, know their, feel their frustration, see what you can do to help them. And um, and uh, if you are not out with the salespeople on the front line, if get out with them, if you are not back in the back office, you know, really walking through what it's like. Um, I worked at a bank and we had the executive listening where executives we had between you know, we had about 70 people who were senior management that that's, took rotations in the call center and wore the headsets. Then we had the same thing with the branches where they would go behind the teller line to the drive-up window and just experience what they went through and not assume. You can't assume you know what it's like. And then you, know, then you ask for a change. And going back to the empathy piece, they're empathetic because they've been through it. They've seen it firsthand. You can't really communicate that on a PowerPoint deck. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I do think there's kind of those, there's two pieces. One is just really getting that deep gut level empathy for mm -hmm. employees and customers that you can only get from like being there in person more than even videos. But then the other is almost um, like field testing your idea. So even, so I, I would go into the stores and I would know, I knew we had our core journey. I knew what the pain points were. I'd go in and I would have all these ideas like, oh, why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? And so in downtime, when I am interacting with employees, I would say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or have we tried this before? And hearing from them firsthand, like what those barriers are, like why that idea might or might not work. And most of them <laughs> were ones that wouldn't work for reasons I hadn't thought of. That was really, um, frankly, efficient. You know, I didn't go through, I didn't take all this time to try to make, like you said, these PowerPoint decks, socialize these ideas. I just got to go one-on-one -on -one and say, Hey, what about this? What about like, I literally, so I I'm pointing cause I live across the street from a Walgreens. So sometimes I'll just pop over there and talk, sit down with the store manager. I'll say, Hey, you have a minute. Can I run a list of ideas by you? And he'll, he'll respond mm -hmm. one by one. And, and it's, you know, a sample size of one, but gosh, it's way more efficient than 
sitting here diagramming and trying to find research on the subject. And he'll say, oh yeah, no, yesterday someone tried to do that and didn't work and here's why. And I mean, it's it's just so efficient to be really directly connected with the field. And I'm increasingly excited about opportunities to do that. I think, um, yeah, that's just employee experience and employee, the connection between employee experience and customer experience is something that I'm really passionate about and also fascinated by how do you do that well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as you, as you begin to evolve and take Walgreens's customer experience to the next level, um, you talked about a, a major initiative in terms of the services that would include more of a, an extended service or a more of a full service for, for those types of things that would be in your sweet spot going forward. You have current operating model right now that includes going in for sunglasses, a beach towel, suntan lotion, bag of chips, right? And, uh, and oh yeah, by the way, I'm getting my heart medication and maybe getting a shingles vaccine. So uh, what do you see as some of the, I don't know, barriers or obstacles that you need to bring down in order to deliver that? Because the customer comes in and it's one Walgreens. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if the pharmacy's in the back of the store and it's a different different operating unit. They don't care. It's just Walgreens, right? Right. No, I appreciate that. I think there's a lot to be said for having integrity as a brand, and mm-hmm. and how does the experience reflect that? And because ours is a physical experience, like how does the store design? How does the product selection? all level up to that brand promise and the experience that we are um, saying that we offer. And so mm-hmm. there's a couple of ways in which we already know we need to make changes and then I'm sure there'll be more that unfolds. But uh, one is we know that health destinations really um, need to be clean and sanitary in order to have the trust of customers. So we're looking at, you know, how can we make sure our floors are clean and not muddy? Uh, just real simple things. Um, longer term, we're looking to do some major remodels. But in the meantime, as we're starting to roll these things out, um, we know that that's a, a feature of like health clinics is they they are very um, uh, kind of trustworthy in their and that they are a sterile environment. So we want to make sure that we demonstrate our brands by living up to that expectation. And then in terms of product selection, um, that that I think will be something that evolves. I personally shout out to CVS and their leadership in getting rid of tobacco products a while ago. Um, I know that's probably on the horizon for us as well as we evolve in this direction. And and then the question becomes, you know, what does helping people through that health and wellness um, product selection process look like? Do you make it easier for them to find things for their particular condition? Um, do you offer one thing we're trying to do is free up our, our pharmacists and our health professionals to be more readily available to consult like, hey, which cough medicine should I get for my kid or things like that, that frankly, people sometimes will look and say, hey, they're too busy. I'm not going to bother them. That can't be the way of the future. If we're truly going to be that health resource, we have to free up their time to be able to operate at the top of their license and provide that health advice. 
that people can get the things they need as well. So those are a few of the ways in which we already see things evolving. And I'm sure we're, we're actually working on our future state journey right now. So mm-hmm. more to come on how we are going to evolve the experience to meet that need. Nice. Very nice. Very exciting to hear. Um, so let's, let's land the plane here as much as I could talk to you for uh, a much longer period of time. Um, what would you say to yourself going back, I don't know, maybe 10 years, what would you say to your younger self? What advice would you give yourself? The way that I approached my career was a little bit unique. And I think I would affirm myself that it's, it's an okay and even a great way to approach your career. So I never was one to follow those cookie cutter paths of, okay, you know, 25% of my classmates are going into this kind of job or 20, you know, this is the conveyor belt that you get on if you want to go here, which is especially common in MBA programs. Um, And I've just always tried to pursue instead, like, what do I care about and what am I good at? And what's the intersection of those things? And just continually asking that question and then trusting that I'll find my people, I'll find the the job opportunities that allow me to do that and allow me to build community in that way. Um, It's been a frankly, like a little bit less of a secure path and sometimes a very lonely path. So the reason I would be saying this to my younger self would be like, hey, hang in there. It's going to be okay. You're going to end up in a place that you love. But along the way, it might look pretty scary. Um, You know, when you're coming out of business school without a job or out of undergrad without a job and you're sensing a trend, (laughs) at least one of those (laughs) is the recession. But but yeah, there was a lot of um, unknown for me. And I do, I feel better like most people when things are a little more clear. And so just trusting that, knowing myself well and being true to this passion for customer experience would ultimately lead me to this amazing um, role in company. Um, that would be really reassuring to my younger self. Mm. Well said, well said. Uh, Walgreens is lucky to have you, Danielle. Thank you, Mark. This has been a really fun conversation. Excellent. And if, if our listeners would would want to reach out to you, what would be the best way? I would say find me on LinkedIn. Okay. And it's Whipper Firth, F-U-R-T-H, right? Yeah, W-I-P-P-E-R-F-U-R-T-H. Okay. Danielle, so much, so, so much fun having you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'd like to ask you a favor. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of my other ones, hit subscribe or follow. I've got a lot of other great guests that are coming up and a lot of other great content, and I don't want you to miss anything. You can find any links or references on the show in the show notes, and you can find those on my website at empoweredcx.com. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.